Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You can feel the passion, the emotion. And Dortmund against all the odds are European champions. Hey, BVB-Fans, welcome to Believe in Borussia. My name is Tilo. This is your podcast for all things Borussia Dortmund. Number 32 is the episode, and we are looking forward to a weekend full of packed action on Sunday in a great match. So let's have a look at that. And we should also have a look at the transfer market. Um, even though it wasn't very eventful for Borussia Dortmund, nevertheless, the time flew by with lots of chatter and I personally could make good use of this break and I hope Marco Rose did as well, um, make great use of it, using two weeks to practice. What a luxury in this day and age. I don't think he had two weeks of practice time in the summer. So this was pretty neat. Um, let's see how they come out the gates. But before we do that, obviously, a reminder that our sponsor Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in this year of 2022. And with their new updated desktop and mobile website, you can sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And you just have to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to get started. So check out Bet Online. So the winter transfer window closed and not a whole lot happened, especially if you consider Borussia Dortmund and the level of chatter our players usually generate. Not even Erling Haaland caused a big stir. I guess people were focused on more realistic scenarios. Um, but also on our side, there wasn't much happening. Tobias Raschel left the club for fourth. And yeah, if you not super familiar with Tobi Raschel, that's probably because I don't think he has played a pro game in two years and that was probably also his sole Bundesliga game back then, I think against Hoffenheim. And that is almost everything you need to know because at 21 years, if you're still struggling to break into the first team like that, especially if you consider what guys like Mukuku are doing at 16 or Reynal, Sancho, and so forth, Jude Bellingham, of course, and so on and so forth, then, yeah, unfortunately, he was tracking, man, he's a good lad, he's been with Dortmund for quite a while, he's been captaining the youth teams, winning championships with them, but it's a big, big step from youth team to under 23 and then to the pros, and unfortunately, not everybody can go it, so I hope he does well at fourth, I um, understand the move a little bit in the sense that for him to prove that he's actually capable of playing Bundesliga regularly, which he wasn't able to showcase at Dortmund, maybe at 40 can buy some time and get on the pitch and show some other GMs that, um, yeah, he's still, or not he's still, that he has something to offer, period, that first division teams need to pick up on. So all the best to Tobi. Um, you know, I think he always gave it his all on the Dortmund, but unfortunately, just wasn't enough apparently. And who knows? Um, never say never. The paths might cross again. But for now, 
He's out and so is Ansgar Knauf, who is on a long loan. Not sold to Eintracht Frankfurt. And similar situation, for whatever reason, he has a very hard time breaking into uh, Marco Rose's starting 11 or even into the squad period. He didn't really see a lot of playing time, which I found a little disappointing. You know, I think he watered all our mouths last season with some of the showings he had against Manchester City, against uh, Stuttgart, where he scored the winner. And... Again, with young players, these trajectories, they're not always linear. They go a little up and down. And for whatever reason, whether it was, I don't know, injuries, which I'm not really that aware of, but or personal things, or just not showing Rose what he wanted to see or needed to see to convince him to give him more playing time, um, it didn't happen. So and at that age, it's crucial to play regularly. Um, so on that end, I think it makes sense. But I still have high hopes in Knauf. I don't know. I like the kid. I like the player. I like the um, yeah the game he brings to the table. He's a proper winger. Has the speed, one-on-one um, -on -one capabilities. But but just the the swag a little bit. Um, it's not Jude Bellingham level, but it is there. There is some there is some hunger. There is something special about him, and I want to see him succeed. And I want to see him succeed in black and yellow. That being said. Let's hope this loan will actually do him good and it's more a loan like, you know, Philip Lahm back in the days or even Joshua Kimmich when he went uh, to Leipzig or when Lahm went from Bayern to Stuttgart and then played there two years and became a world-class left back. Um, Frankfurt, also a bit of a yeah black box in the sense of producing results that are... Yeah, all over the spectrum from very good to not so good. But still probably they will offer him a little better perspective in terms of playing time. The paciness and um, overall tempo of the game should also uh, accommodate and suit him very well. And yeah, I think it's a good club for him to get his feet a little wetter and just put games under his belt and, and develop into a more robust and consistent player. And then hopefully we will get back a much improved Ansgar Knauf that is ready for first team action week in and week out at Borussia Dortmund. And otherwise it was pretty quiet um, in the last transfer window of Michael Zorg, Michael Zorg, however you want to pronounce him. And that's to be expected. If you know anything about Borussia Dortmund, if you know anything about Zorg, Aki Watzke, then it is that they're not spending money in the second year of Corona, when the club's losing millions of dollars every month and is sitting on some contracts that are, quite frankly, not returning any value, like Roman Burki, for example. And that's just the most crass example because he literally isn't an alternative. Some of the other players that are sitting on pretty nice contracts, at least they play every now and then. So long story short, Since there wasn't an opportunity to offload any of these contracts, and I think Roman Bucchi came close once um, with the deal to Lorient on the table is what I read, but then it fell through again. So, yeah, no money in, no money out. That makes no players. And I'm pretty sure they also consider some of the injured players as new players. Looking at Giorena here, who hasn't seen much action this year. 
Matthew Murray, I don't even know if he's destined to come back soon. And just a couple of other players that are out right now. So that toxic mix of not having a lot of funds, um, not having any perspective right now to return to capacity stadiums. And I'm pretty sure that we're banking on at least 2022 having capacity crowds in the stadium. Yeah, made for a very, very uneventful transfer window. However, looking around Europe, the window wasn't as quiet and one of the bigger stories, or actually two of the bigger stories, involved former Dortmund players. One was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang leaving Arsenal for Barcelona and the other one was Usman Dembele staying at Barcelona. And I don't want to dwell on it too long, but I do had to chuckle a little bit when I saw this going down. Both ways. On the one end, you have Dembele, who cost Barcelona a pretty penny, um, $150 million in transfer fees, paid to Borussia Dortmund. What a brilliant piece of business in hindsight. Granted, nobody could have known his injury proneness, and maybe actually they did. Maybe they did know that he seems not to be the most professional or at least was in his young years, and I don't know. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a team physicist, but from the outside, some of these injuries he picked up, uh, he picked up um, muscle injuries and things like that, and just being back in the game 10, 20 minutes and getting injured the first game back, also again with muscle things. It just seems like injuries that could have been preventable with, you know, a more vigorous rehab with better stretching and warm-ups and things like that and he seems like the guy that likes to skip these type of things and there were stories about his bad um, diet and all these things and, and sleep habits and so on and so forth but whatever it was and hey he might be actually the best stellar pro practicing like no one else's business what can be denied is that his output on the pitch in these last couple of years has been pretty disappointing, I think, for Barcelona fans. That's probably the best way to put it. And nothing like that $150 million price tag um, would seem to warrant. And yeah, I think he had his best time at Dortmund. He was a very, very integral player there. Um, I think especially in the cup run. That semi-final win against Bayern, I credit that to him. And also in the final, he scored and set it up. So, um, again, I think Dembélé there was the difference maker. Um, unbelievably talented. But, yeah, that was then and this is now. And now Barcelona is trying to get rid of him as fast as possible. But he just doesn't want to get out and rather sit around and, you know, get paid a pretty penny and there was rumors that he turned down Paris um, because there's another deal already in the making a more lucrative deal for him apparently because why else would he stick around and yeah it just doesn't seem like anyone's happy in that deal so that was in hindsight a very piece good of business even though in the moment it kind of sucked to lose uh, Dembele but considering you know the other players that came through after him like Sancho, like Bellingham, like even Mukuku or whatever, in terms of young players with potential, 
that it still have you know the best days ahead of them. Um, I think we moved on pretty quickly, and Aubameyang even more so. Like I personally was very very happy um, with letting him go. Like there were a lot of people um, that thought different. He was very popular with a lot of the fans. He scored a lot of goals, but. At the end of the day, it seemed like Borussia Dortmund was plateauing with him. He was a key player on that team, and that team didn't move any further. And for it to move further, it needed to make some changes. And I never f felt that he was willing to make those changes, um, to be an asshole if he needed to be to someone, like Dembele, for example, and tell him, cut the freaking crap, get to work, or I'm going to kick your butt. No, Aubameyang is a type of guy in my book that just wants to be friends with everyone, have a good time, you know, buys, I don't know, everyone around the gifts or whatever, um, nice headphones or some stuff like that, and then, you know, invites him to parties. But he's not the guy that's going to, like, sit you down and set you straight. Maybe became that later in his career, but he sure wasn't then. And when he was talking about going to Arsenal at that point in time to win trophies and, you know, cause a ruckus in the Champions League and all that, I mean, give me a break. Even back then, it was very, very clear that Arsenal's trajectory was pointing downwards and Dortmund's was not. So um, it was clear that he just wanted to go to London, live in a nicer city, in a you know big global metropolis where he could have all the things that he likes, luxury this, luxury that, hairdressing, shopping, all that jazz you know, have his entourage entertained and obviously get paid a very, very pretty penny. And I don't know why Arsenal wanted him. I actually, I mean, I do know. It just doesn't make sense. Like Arsenal, at this point, were just clinging on to, you know, glory days and they were hoping to get some names in um, so that they could continue these glory days. But at the end of the day, they weren't, they were like an old man that gets a new sports car and a trophy wife and I don't know, whatever else and thinks he can, you know, relive his youth and, and, and become cool and hip again. But at the end of the day, when people look at him, they still see an old man that's past his prime sitting maybe in a sports car or with a trophy wife, but he's still, again, an old dude. And Arsenal could have just started what they're doing right now overhauling the team, getting young players in, sticking to a coach, sticking to a structure. Instead, they wanted to make a splash. We were very happy to take that splash, another 70 million in the bank. Think about it, that's like 220, 225 million dollars from a guy that can't get pushed out of the club to a guy that was pushed out of the club and they wanted to get rid of him so bad that they waived any transfer fees and basically paid for him to leave. I think they paid him $8 million or euros even or pounds. Like there would be $10 million to leave. Imagine that. That's what people earn at Borussia Dortmund at top dollar. That's what they paid him to leave. That's how bad they want to get rid of him. So, yeah. Um, again, not surprised. Don't think he was the best leader um, in the room. He's obviously a good player. Very good player, if so. But um, when he went to Arsenal, he was also already, I want to say declining, but his game changed. He was very reliant on pace um, in the beginning of his career and could just simply kick the ball up the field and 
outsprint anyone really um, by by a few yards within seconds without even having like a lot of technique or whatever. And he had lost that speed already when we transferred him to Arsenal. And I don't think he got faster. Nevertheless, you know, he's a he's a good goal scorer and poacher. But then again, he's also not world class in the sense that, yeah, he would be considered on any like top, 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 top level, on like a Lewandowski level or even a Haaland level or, or I don't know, Suarez or, or Torres even or something like that. He made his goals for sure. Um, but if if he was top shelf, then he probably should have suited up for France and be in a World Cup squad and not play for Gabon. Because at the end of the day, as far as I know, he was born in France, wasn't he? Anyway, I don't want to get too much more into Aubameyang. I just find it very interesting how these arcs went after their um, yeah departure from Borussia Dortmund. In hindsight, there was very smart move from Mikel Sorg on both cases. And yeah, let's see how it pans out. You know, wish him well at Barcelona. Again, doesn't look like he's chasing any Champions League dreams there either. And again, Borussia Dortmund, even though we're not necessarily killing it in a league either right now, I would say are in a much better place still when it comes to talent and perspective and also yeah, European and international ambition. That can obviously change, but probably not within the next couple of months or so. So let's see how that pans out. Um, and with that, let's yeah close the rumor mill and the gossip trap here. Man, I really like kind of like ranted a little bit. But hey, I guess that's what a podcast is for. And let's look at the weekend. Sunday's game against Leverkusen will likely be the opposite of uneventful. And yes, it's Sundays. Get used to it. Hope for it, really, because the more often we play on Sunday, the more likely it is that we're still in the Europa League. And considering we want to go far and actually win the damn thing, let's go Sunday. Well, Leverkusen is a tough nut to crack, especially considering that Emre Can is out, Mats Hummels is out, Erling Haaland is out. Meunier only came back on Thursday. So quite a few key players. The head of the defense. Oh, actually, that might be a kanji. Anyway, an important player on defense. The most important player on offense. Plus Chan. Not so ideal. But on the bright side, fans are back. Or at least 10,000 of them. And 10,000 fans can make a difference. It's a home game. They can make some noise, they can push our players, get under Leverkusen's skin, which is not the thickest. They are a dangerous team, but they're not necessarily known for um, the biggest guile in the history of soccer, put it lightly. So that's good, and we really need that game. Not only to yep, stay in the hunt, but also to just keep on winning and establishing a positive run to carry across the last two remaining competitions and also because Leverkusen is right behind Borussia Dortmund. They're in third place, eight points behind and we don't want them to close that gap. We want to expand it and basically seal a Champions League and then see what goes, you know, towards the top spot and then also be really successful in Europa. Um, what else is positive? Well, I guess Donny Marlon is fit and, you know, he assisted three times versus Hoffenheim. 
And we needed all of them, obviously, to win and get the three points. And Rose said that, yeah, um, he's pushing him and he's complimenting him. And at the press conference before the game, he pointed out in what dire physical shape Donny Marlon arrived at Dortmund. And again, having two weeks to practice can really, really be a difference maker. That is a lot of time um, considering the usual hectic schedule of pro soccer players. So hopefully he could really use that time to practice hard, put a little bit of meat uh, on it, figuratively speaking, and you know, continue his good streak. He has been obviously needing a little time to get into the groove at Borussia Dortmund, but then he scored in the Champions League, he scored in the Cup, he scored uh, in the league. So he showed that drive and yeah, then against Hoffenheim, obviously also had a very, very good game. So that's great. One thing that did pop out to me though from Rose at the press conference was that he was talking about wanting it more with Marlin. Um, like that he needs to want more or want it more. It wasn't super clear and it doesn't translate properly to English or could translate either way actually. But what it does say in both occasions is that Marlin might need a little more grit. I don't know, a little more drive. And I think that lines up with the eye test if you if you see some of these games because he does have moments where he really shows drive and 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 yeah grit you know going hard um trying to you know get shots off and then sometimes he's a little passive he's a little more like floating around so let's just say i think there's room for him to get even more involved to become more assertive he seems to have the skill and the speed there are still moments every now and then in games where he seems a little lackadaisical or caught off guard or just a little indecisive and then loses the ball so he needs to shed that and really go for it like Erling Haaland style and to be his best self because we want his best self and quite frankly we need his best self um, on Sunday to get three points from the Leverkusen game and those Leverkusen Borussia Dortmund games in the winter they have been usually pretty good like I remember a couple of statement games just top of my head for example 2011 the uh, the title season, the, that magical first title season under Jurgen Klopp, when people still question if Borussia Dortmund are for real and Leverkusen was actually in the hand for the title. And then Dortmund went to Leverkusen and beat them 3-0 or 3-1. Uh, two Großkreuz goals, one Götze goal, uh, and Großkreuz running into the uh, corner of the away fans section and celebrating with the fans. It was a pretty iconic game, actually. And that young Mario Götze just keep on or kept on adding to his early pedigree. So that was a great game. And uh, I remember very vividly 1997, the Champions League season, when people were counting Dortmund out uh, despite being a defending champion. And then also, I think, no, actually, it was a home game where Andy Müller scored a screamer um, to defeat Leverkusen. And I mean, you have, even have to go back so far. There's always lots of goals. Look no further than the first uh, game we had Leverkusen against um, them. Yeah, the season, uh, the 4-3, that was a wild ride. Um, after being 3-2 down, winning 4-3, you know, on, on the second match day, that was super, super important. And um, I think only, was it two years ago? 
it was the other way around where Borussia Dortmund couldn't salvage a 3-2 lead into anything and lost 4-3. So you can probably expect some action at a game that yields anywhere from three to seven goals, uh, you know, apparently on average. So it should be a good one. Brace yourselves. One thing that did annoy me though a little bit from the press conference um, listening to Rosa is that he kept on talking about how they need to get better on D, you know, seek the tackling, seek the physicality, that the players need to understand that is a crucial part of the game and that even if it's not their strong suit or their, you know, best foot forward, they need to continuously work on it and put in a shift. I mean, look, that's all true. But what it really tells me is that it's still not the case. That there are still players who don't find it so important, who don't take enough pride in it to press hard enough, to do things 100% and more, to defend as a unit for 90 minutes plus. And if you watch games um, over the last years, really, then it's not hard to imagine what he's referring to and whom he's referring to. And it's really annoying because Rose has also been with the team now for a minute. And it's just, like I said, it's annoying to still hear him talk about it as if he's just getting started to fix it. And yes, over the years, some patterns or some cultural things might have been established by a few players. And yeah, that obviously is sometimes hard to get rid of if you have bad habits yourself you you know can attest to that but still i wonder how much longer we have to put up with this how much longer do we need to sort of like wager in between talent but not effort there are players in the squad that have both in abundance but there are also players that seem to have only one, and usually it's talent. Um, I can't really point out a player that is a workhorse um, in the best sense of the word, like like back in the days, like a Sven Bender was, or all the crazy pull up your sleeve blue colored type of grit and grind guys from the nineties, like um, I don't know Kutowski and Kreh and Reinhardt and um, Steffen Freund. And but even guys like Dede, yeah, we just don't have these players anymore. I haven't had them in a while, and um, it sucks. I think it's kind of what what's missing, and it's a little disheartening to hear that it's still an issue and it doesn't seem to be changing, at least on the outside, um, anytime soon. And yeah, it's annoying. Thank you for tuning in again to Believe in Borussia presented by Bet Online. Don't forget to subscribe us if you're listening on Spotify. And if you're listening on Apple Podcast, please also leave us a review. Give us a rating. Let us know what you think. We always appreciate the feedback. And until next time, a black and yellow shout out across America.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.